Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. In today's episode, we sit down with John Turcott of Backcountry on the Fly and discuss life guiding and 40-plus years of fishing Mosquito Lagoon. John, who is known by many as The Dude, has developed a great reputation among fellow guides, and throughout the past year, I've had many captains point me in his direction, and after missing each other on several trips, we finally were able to sit down and talk. I really enjoy getting to hear John's stories and perspective on life and fishing. I hope that you enjoy. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you. You know, it's genetic. Hank said you won. I grabbed my dad by his face and kissed him on the mouth, and you, I couldn't have smiled harder. My lips were past my ears. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people, and it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. Beep, 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 Giraffes. So what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water. That's where he's going to be. Hey, John, thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast and giving us a little bit of time today. Yeah, uh, I know we've been waiting or, you know, just <laughs> trying to get this together for a long time. I'm sorry. It's my, my apologies. Um, well, we had, so. <laughs> I was here a couple months ago and then you were sick and then I was supposed to come and then I had to cancel the trip, but now we're here and I'm excited for it, man. Cool. If you could just start off with your background and how you got connected into guiding and fishing and what your childhood was like. Okay. So... Um, I grew up in Titusville, Florida, of course, and, um, basically just, uh, one street away from the Indian river lagoon. And, um, yeah, gosh, it, it was like in the, um, seventies, early seventies. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It wasn't, I, I really wasn't into fishing per se or anything like that. Um, it was just a way of life, I guess. We just did that anyway. Um, just something to do, especially, you know, in the summers, you know, you're out of school and just... Uh, what style of fishing would you guys do back then in the 70s? Actually, a lot of spin fishing, okay. um, like with trout touts and stuff, you know, for uh, sea trout. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, you know, uh, we're, we're really famous in our area for redfish, um, but back then redfish wasn't really something we really talked about much. Um, you'd hear about a neighbor down the street maybe catching a, a, a drum. You know, we called them drum back then, red drum, or channel bass, actually. Um, and it was like big news around the neighborhood if somebody caught a, you know, a channel bass. Yeah. They're like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Were you guys just waiting? Yeah, yeah. In? Oh, yeah. To totally. Tons of waiting. I didn't have a boat at the time. I did get a canoe. My first boat was a canoe. Um, several years later, my dad bought me a canoe. It was really nice. How, um, how old around? How old were you? Um, gosh, I, I don't think I was any more than about like 11. 
when I got the canoe, uh, before that, you know, we were just little kids just playing in the lagoon. And, um, I know I just remember a lot of it was more than fishing. You know, we were always out there wading around and, um, picking things up like horseshoe crabs and, you know, tipping them. I just remember, just remember tipping them over and you know how they have the little crawly legs under there and, um, just looking at their eyes. They have the funky, like, like, uh, eyes that look like, um, a fly. Yeah. Yeah. With the little, all the little, I think they got like thousand eyes or something in each eyeball. Like I could totally (laughs) be wrong on that, but something like that. Anyway, unfortunately, uh, God, we don't see those anymore either. Yeah. Um, You know, um, but no, there was, there was just, uh, I just recall that there was just so much life. I mean, we, my brothers had aquariums full of seahorses and just, uh, I don't know. It was just a really, really super rad way of life back then. I was very fortunate, um, to be able to grow up in that era i guess yeah time did your family fish a lot or um yeah actually my dad did he was really he he's kind of the one that got me into it um um he he was a a space center employee and i think he probably as i recall got into fishing you know when he moved here he kind of wooed my mother who was a a native a local um he was in the military um they got together I don't remember the year or anything like that, but, um, um, but yeah, he, he was definitely an influence in my fishing life, I guess you would say. And he, he, he bought me my, my first canoe. And then from then on that, that was the end of, I mean, when I got that canoe, I just remember I was just like a free bird, you know, any, (laughs) any stories from your childhood about fishing the lagoon that just really stood out or Um, moments that maybe won you over into? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always remember my grandmother, my grandmother actually, our family kind of fell apart way back in the day. Um, that's another story, but, um, my, so as it turns out, my grandmother and her sister, my aunt raised me. Um, so I, I always remember my grandmother saying, don't go out to the mosquito lagoon. People die out there. Mm. So, (laughs) of course that, that was probably the one thing that made me just go, okay, well, I'm going to go out there. (laughs) Not necessarily Uh, the best thing to tell. Yeah. It was quite, it was very, I just remember it was quite remote. It was, it was a very remote area from a Titusville standpoint. I'm sure farther north up here in Oak Hill and Edgewater, you know, it was more not as a remote area because this part of the lagoon is closer to, um, you know, civilization, so to speak, yeah. where people live and homes and, you know, the, the, the uh, A1A and US1 are right close to the lagoon here. But in Titusville, it was a trip, a major trip through the wildlife refuge and out into the lagoon and the mm-hmm. beach. So, um, for us, it was a little bit more remote and really cool place. <laughs> when did you decide, okay, I want to try to become a fishing guide? Um, so I, you know, okay, I'll back up on that. Um, I quit high school in my 11th year. I was on a work program 
making money. Um, I was like, well, school's just not for me. So I actually joined the Coast Guard. Um, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, and then I moved around to different locations, stayed down here in the um, tropics. Um, was all, I was in the Caribbean and Florida a bunch. And then I went to Fort Pierce. It was my last unit. And, um, one day I just, you know, I drove back home because I was looking after my grandmother at that time and, and her sister, they were getting a lot elderly, you know, and I was wanting to take care of them a lot. So I came home one weekend and my grandmother said, Hey, um, Frank and Liz, who are family, family friends of ours, mm-hmm. um, they opened up a bait and tackle shop, she said, across the street. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, really? Okay, I'll go over and visit them. Well, as it turns out, it was the Fly Fisherman store. Okay, okay. They didn't know that. <clears throat> they thought, that thought it was just a bait and tackle shop. So I went over there and said hey to Frank and Liz, and I just was like, went into the little store. It was real small at the time. Um, and I was just like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, so like you can do this with, you can like catch redfish with flies and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was probably your question was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, You're just like, okay, this sounds like it's something I want to chase. And man, from that, I, I remember I bought a Fluger medalist. I think it was a I got numbers, 1594 or something like that. And I bought that and, um, God, I forget what rod it was. Um, later I know it was a, I got, I got into the Sage DS series. They were probably like, you know, entry level rods, but I can't, God, I can't remember what that first one was anyway. Um, so yeah, so I took that rig, um, back to Fort Pierce. I was again, still in the coast guard and, um, Man, we had like snook all over that place at that time. I'm st- I'm sure they're still there, and I would. So we were working two on, two off down there, and God, every night, every time I would be on duty, I would just like fish all the time, all night long. I never slept. My wife got, she would just be get so mad at me because when I come home, I all I wanted to do was basically sleep because mm-hmm. I'd been fishing the last two nights. So yeah, it was I. I I cut my teeth on snook on fly. It was really cool. We had dock lights all over that place, over all over the sea walls. So, um, yeah, I did that on fly and, um, had a canoe down there with me and there were some cool flats around there. And I kind of got into, um, you know, the flats fishing thing. Oh, there was one thing though that I'll never forget. Also, when I went into the fly fisherman store back then, Liz Steele, um, showed me a book it was called fishing the flats by mark sosen and lefty cray mm-hmm. that book is killer um that that was probably the little uh, along with the fly fishing tackle that i had got that yeah. book was like that was a major spark there i'll never forget i still have that book it's it's like a ragged old newspaper now but you know yeah. i'll never part with it i'll just pass it on and i bet it was interesting to come back in to kind of be at the beginning of some of that saltwater fly fishing. And we were talking earlier about some of the innovation and people having to figure it out and really figuring out before people are as connected through things like the internet and social media and different groups. Like how, how, how did you really 
begin to try to figure out the fly fishing piece? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the, the casting itself as an art form was just, I don't know, something about it kind of blew my mind. It's just the way, um, you know, the style of it, um, just the line, just, you know, presenting a fly to a fish, you know, without casting it, you know, as in con- a conventional yeah. way. I don't know. It just like, I was like, I don't, it just blew my mind that you could do that. You just like walked <laughs> in the store and you're like, man, I, this is it for the rest of it. my life. Yeah. Just like surfing. I was like, I remember when I was like seven years old, I've, you know, I got my first surfboard and I was like the very first wave I caught. I was like, Oh my God, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And yeah. I still am. Yeah. And I, I th- like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, when, when you think about back in the seventies, you know, there was so, it, it was so new. There were so few resources, I guess. You're talking about, you had that book. Did you go to any, like, did you teach yourself how to cast off the book or did you buy any VHSs or? Oh, no, no, no. That, and, and that book was later. That that was later on when I went, the, when I got into the fly casting, fly fishing, um, but no, I never, I never um, really had any instruction. Uh, actually, Liz, Liz did show me a little bit out in the parking lot at that fly fishing store. Yeah, the fly fisherman. Um, she showed me a little bit of casting technique, and then I just took it from there and just really self-taught. Yeah, and it's funny because I remember, I remember when I was probably a year or two when I was into casting. Um, I thought I was pretty good but then later like later later you know years later my distance improved and my my accuracy improved and I was like man I really suck back then (laughs) so when you first started guiding you were taking people out in a canoe nighttime fishing for snook on the fly oh no 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 so so I got out of the coast guard came back to Titusville to live and take care of my grandmother um because you know god I just loved them to death and they took care of me for so long. I, I needed to get back and take care of them because they were getting up there in age. And I was doing a lot of canoeing and fly fishing, um, in my old canoe. And, um, I got a little part-time gig working at the space center out at the Cape Canaveral. So that area, um, there's an area out there it's a very north end of the Banana River, which it, at that time and still is designated as a no motor zone. And um, it was some of the other guy. There was there were some other guides in the area that were going up in there in their canoes and um, catching a lot of black drum and redfish. And so I was like, ah, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I work right out here. Um, I know the I kind of know the layout of the land. I started going up in there um, when I wasn't out in the lagoon mm-hmm. most of the time. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, I love pulling my canoe. And I, I don't know. I just kind of fell into it. Um, do you remember your d- first trip in the, the guided trip? I do. It was, a, uh, it was a veterinarian, Randy. I won't go into the last name just for, pers- you know, whatever reasons so um yeah he was a vet and um yeah god we i pulled him up in there i think it's it's kind of like a a seven mile trip up 
and seven miles back. And, um, God, there was just, I mean, there's at that time, there was just tailing redfish all over the place. There was like a, a set of four different flats and then some islands. And then there was like the last flat up, up in the very North end. And, um, yeah, God, we just, it was insane. Redfish, black drum, jacks, tarpon, snook. Um, and I came back and got a couple hundred bucks for the day. And that <laughs> <Yeah>. was cool. <laughs> You're like, so you pulled them seven miles. And yeah, and yeah. You guys are just stumbling on it, all these different species and- we thought nothing of pulling that far up because you you kind of hit each flat as you're going and it just keeps getting better and better it kept getting better and better yeah as you just keep and i was always into god man this just keep going keep going yeah. keep going and it feel it definitely feel i mean we were you know we were leaving at daybreak and coming back at night yeah what um what, what was your canoe set up back then Do you i had a 16 i still have it a 16 foot old town um, a Katahdin, a super killer canoe. It's got beautiful lines, really swept back uh, bow and stern, like old Indian style. And um, I'm actually restoring it right now. I just gawk at it when I look at it. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was 16 foot, super stable. It's got a little keel to help you from to help keep you from um, blowing out uh, sideways or anything. You know, it tracks real well. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was uh, totally cool. Um, one of the things yeah. that I definitely wanted to talk to you about too, you know, you talk about just running into all those species and you even referenced it when you were a child and you guys would have all the horseshoe crabs running around. Could you just paint the picture for me about what the lagoon was like back in the seventies when you really started to get into it? Yeah. So, um, actually back then there was, again, I don't, we didn't have the numbers of redfish. It was more like the considered actually the trout capital of the world. So it was, it was really a, a more of a trout fishery. Um, we did a lot of blind casting, but I always remember that the lagoon had was always clear, crystal clear, lots of grass. I mean, we, we, we would snorkel out there all, uh, all the time and even bear eye it. And, um, just, just a, beautiful estuary full of life and um just god it was insane really and and what like could you work me through some of the history too because i'm not super Mm -hmm. i'm from i'm from the west side you know from the gulf could you just walk me through too some of the history about you know when you first started guiding kind of some of the things that has happened in the lagoon some of the major shifts and changes that you guys have seen yeah um so it seemed, I mean, everything was pretty cool. Uh, actually, let me back up. So, um, yeah, what I was just talking about, how it was more of a trout fishery, it seemed like. And then, um, and, I, and, and we all know why we had, there was a lot of, of netting of redfish that was going on through all those years. Okay. Um, we had a big net band deal with going on in the state, um, CCA was involved and we were able to ban the nets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like, I want to say 92, 94, somewhere in that area. And then after that, the redfish rebounded like insane. It just, it was insane how yeah. much, how fast and, and, and excellent that, that, um, program 
got the redfish back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we had, we just, God, we had just like beautiful flats, tailing redfish all the time. I mean, you could just go out and basically any weather condition or didn't matter. You could always just find fish. And if you went shallow enough, you're probably going to find some redfish tailing. Even if it was an off day, sometimes I think they would just tail and, and it, it, was, it was almost like they would just like be digging around in the grass for shrimp and crab Maybe not eating them, but going through the motions. Yeah. It just seemed like just every time you could go, you went out, you could just go somewhere and find tailing redfish. Were there um, a lot of guides back then? Or No, there was just a handful, maybe like eight or nine, you know, full-time guides. And um, nobody was really dedicated fly fly fishing, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, and that was kind of like my little gig. I was like, man, nobody's like really doing this totally fly only. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you're saying like eight or nine, like when you first started doing fly fishing, was it hard to kind of convince people to give it a shot or did you find it? People were pretty interested in trying something new. No, there was, um, there was a lot of people that were very interested in fly fishing for redfish at that point in time when I really started and get, was getting into it. Um, I, I, I know the fly fisherman was, um, an extremely popular, uh, store. Um, they were probably the nation's, I, I'd say at the time, um, the, the, the nation's leading fly fishing store. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the movie, a river runs through it, it kind of had just come out and I, there was just a lot of people really getting into it. And, publication media um stuff like that was was really starting to the the mosquito lagoon was was starting to get noticed a lot yeah so i kind of fell into it right at the right time and i had no problem booking clients from around the world for that would come shoot man i had some people that would stay with me for almost two weeks from like the uk and stuff and they would just stay at my house sometimes. I That's mean, awesome. After, after, yeah. maybe not like the first year, but <laughs> yeah. when they came back the second or third year, because yeah. we had be- become friends. I mean, family yeah, yeah. almost. You know, um, you know, they they would just God, I'd be like, man, just crash at my house. You know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. What? And and you're, I mean, time and time again, you know, I'm 27, mm-hmm. so I I wasn't aware of everything going on at that time, you know, and people just say over and over again, river runs through it, river runs through it, man, just help fly fishing so much. And then all of a sudden, all this culture began to emerge from it that a lot of people in this area love, love today. You know, they value that culture. Like they, people think of, you know, the lagoon and they think of, you know, John Turcott and guys who were there, you know, right kind of at the cusp of it all starting. Like, what was that culture like with the, the fly fishing kind of emerging? Was it when guys started doing that, were they really close? Were you guys hanging out a lot or was it kind of more pioneer Lewis and Clark? You didn't really know, you know, other guides and what was going on or what was that time like when everybody was really starting to get excited about fly fishing here? Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was just, there was a lot of energy. Expectations were really high. 
but yet the Mosquito Lagoon was so good that they were met, you know? Yeah. Um, I was younger, full of energy. I, you know, I had the desire I needed to build my clientele by word of mouth back then. So yeah. I was just, you know, busting my ass yeah. really, but it was, it was just, a, I don't know. It was just really cool and fun. And I don't know, you know, how long were you kicking <laughs> it in the canoe? Um, I actually guided out of my canoe for like four years in the banana river, no motor zone, as well as the mosquito lagoon. And, uh, I still really love being in the canoe. I mean, I could totally go back to guy. If, if the, if the lagoon was still excellent fishery as it used to be, I would not hesitate to live in my canoe again. Yeah. All right. I know you don't want me to do it, mm-hmm. but I have to, I'm young. It's all right. Tell me about how good it was. Because I know you said you don't even, you don't like necessarily going there God. with people, but man, I just want to hear about it because, okay. I, you know, to think about going around in a canoe and during right. that time, just so go ahead and spoil, spoil it. I, I can say that, like we were talking about earlier, um, it, oh God, I, I, I know hands down because of all the clients that would come and fish with me and tell me that our fishery at one time was probably it, we had the best tailing redfish fishery hands down out of any other yeah. red fishery that exists. Um, it was just, I mean, bonefish style, crystal clear, gin clear. Um, just God, just red. Oh. I just can't tell you how many days we'd go out and I mean, as far as you could see, you'd just see tails, you know, yeah. two here, three there, four there, ten down there, one over there, two over there. Just oh man, it was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well I, I I know you're like, man, I don't even like you know, like uh telling some of the young guys too about just that time, you know, like how cool it was and how good it was. But, you know, it 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 is really neat too just to try to appreciate a place for the history it has and mm-hmm. to be hopeful about what could be if people get serious about protecting it. What do you feel like really started to cause some of the environmental stuff to fall apart? Was it neglect? Was it overfishing? You, Was it? You know what? I, a, nobody really has that answer, but I do remember um, in 2010-11, we had a pretty serious cold spell that really dropped the water temperature in the lagoon for a lot of days. Um, we had green sea turtles and loggerhead turtles and a few leatherbacks start floating. I've never seen that before in my life. Um, the lagoon was, it was, it was surreal. It was crystal clear blue. You could see the bottom of the lagoon in 20 feet of water all up and down the intercoastal waterway. Um, I actually spent a, several days picking up turtles and bringing them to the wildlife refuge so they could warm them up in little baby pools, mm-hmm. um, at one of the warehouses, actually wow. several warehouses out there. I heard that because of that event, there was a uh, zooplankton that couldn't survive. And from what I understand, zoo, zooplankton feed on algae, which, um, had always kept the algae levels down. Um, and so with that event and 
it was, it was like a combination of all these things that happened at the same time. Totally ironically, that uh, development, pollution, the influx of nutrients, I, I don't know. Um, but we've had a pretty serious algae bloom going on now mm -hmm. since then. Um, most of the year it's, 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 uh, it, it has lessened the visibility greatly. It, uh, our seagrasses aren't able to thrive because they're, the sunlight has blocked, um, the, the, the growth, um, like, like photosynthesis basically mm -hmm. on a, on a, on a lawn. Um, so I don't know. You know, in the last couple of years, too, I've noticed, you know, they talk about sea level rises. It just seems like the lagoon has had higher water levels a lot more ever than mm. I've ever seen before. Even outside of tropical events that always raise the water levels anyway at mm -hmm. times because of all the rain and stuff. But um, I, I, I don't know. Um, we all hope that it just kind of goes away this brown green algae whatever the scientists are calling it um you know we all just hope and pray that it just kind of goes away lives its does its course and just just goes away you know yeah but i don't know so we're getting we're getting some clear water through this through the winter months mm -hmm. for sure but i'm afraid come i hate to say it april we might start if getting some algae again in you know, and yeah. really lessen the visibility. And it's tough to, you know, there's a, with some of the guides that I know across the, the state, you know, when, when you talk about trying to be honest about environmental things, mm -hmm. but then a lot of people feel a pressure to try to promote their fishery, mm -hmm. you know, because they want people to come in, they want people to fish with them. How have you tried to think about that as a guide, the tension of, you know, you want to be real. And I, I've noticed that you haven't shied away from, you know, mm -hmm. talking about the challenges, but at the same time trying to be hopeful or trying to still bring people into the fishery to experience what is here with mosquito. How have you tried to balance those two things? Yeah, so I am definitely honest with my clients when we talk. Um, <clears throat> it's something that, it's an issue that I'll always bring up now uh, before, you know, we, we book it and lock it down. Um, I, you know, I just tell them, you know, what's going on they can look at, I, I kind of post a little thing on my, my Facebook page that kind of try, I try to give the current conditions, you know, as much as I can. So anyway, but yeah, no, I, I'm totally truthful about it. I lay it down. Um, I just tell them it is what it is, you know, outside of the fishery, like I've always felt the lagoon is such a magical, we it's, it's, it's an experience out there. Yeah. You know, we have our backdrop, is um, we were talking about it earlier. Mm -hmm. I know, um, you know, we have just the most gorgeous backdrop in most of our areas of palm, you know, moss laden oaks, and um, God, man, you know, we can get we can get right up behind the sand dune, and you know, it, it's probably one of the only places that, that you can redfish where you can just listen to the surf, you know, and it's it's a pretty cool experience. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just an old Florida feel out there. You know the fi the fi the fish are still there. We have we have we have a fishery. It's not gone completely. Um, it's, we're just 
you know, putting in the time a little bit more um, to find fish, I guess you could say. Um, but man, I, I will say this, when you do find them and put a fly on them they they eat yeah. that it seems like they're, they're pretty damn hungry or something. Yeah. Um, and I can go back to those days of, uh, when I, just now I'm thinking about those days where it was excellent, you know, with those, you know, beautiful tailing redfish, man, sometimes you couldn't get them to eat nothing, you know? Yeah. So they're, um, but yeah, we'll just. Time will tell, and um, we can just all hope and pray that things get better. And it's tough because it, in order for things to get better, it is going to require honesty. And mm-hmm. you know, my hope I was sharing with you and Justin earlier is that people will see this as an opportunity to come in and try to learn about the fishery. Like, hire a guide, go out with with you, learn about the fishery, see what you're talking about, hear the waves, you know, check out how the lagoon functions, and learn about it and get educated on it and kind of join in and trying to be honest and talk about, Hey, let's try to understand what's happening here and try to find a way forward. Cause somewhere, you know, down in Titusville, there's some young John Turcott living a street over waiting around, you know, and you can fight for him, you know, instead of trying to be fake or, you know, try to play PR and try to make things look like things don't have decline. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I know, and I know there's going to be, you know, there's a lot of newer, younger guides out there that are, are, that really would love to do what I've done. And, um, God, I, 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 I just, I really wish them the, all the best. And I, I, I hope that they can, you know, get what I, I feel, I feel blessed but i also feel kind of like guilty or something at the same time i um i just want the best for the the those generations i i was very fortunate my kids got to um experience the lagoon when it was really nice and beautiful and um um i want i would love for their children and you god you know humankind forever yeah to um, experience what I got to. And my uh, three-and-a-half-year-old's going out tomorrow, you know, in the lagoon, mm-hmm. and uh, she's going to – it's her first time out on the water out there, and I'm hopeful. Yeah, you know? no, I, uh, it, you will – it is clear right now. We had a, a really nice cold spell. It's it, it's gin clear and up in the north end especially. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, yeah, it, it, even though it's not – like it was, I keep, I hate to have to keep saying that, Yeah. but no, it's a, it's still a beautiful experience out there. And you're talking about, you know, you see the younger guides and you're hopeful for them. What are some things that you've noticed from your vantage point? I was really interested in this because you've been guiding so long. What have been some of the changes that you've seen positive and negative as it's evolved, you know, with the guiding aspect of things? Ooh. Justin's laughing. I'm just, I'm just like... <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, yeah, that social media thing, and I know I'm involved in it as well. But it's like a ne- that necessary evil. It's almost as if though I know social media is a great platform for the good, but I must be honest that everything I grew up and my values and everything I was taught 
man, sometimes social media just freaks me out and it's not good. In, in what way? Like in what um, way does it rub against what you value? Oh man. I, I'm giving you a soapbox, man. No, 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 yeah. no, no. That's okay. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. no, come on tell me i want to hear it from your angle because no, 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 no. my I'm, I'm on the other side of the angle I, and of... i'm not just talking about guiding and all that fishy stuff in general i'm just i'm talking social media in general it's just like uh it's fun to okay physically it's fun to go out catch fish and take a cool picture if you, and, and, and look at the picture and go wow i want to share this this is rad yeah. you know and people like that i mean i, I like to see great art god that Justin's got some great photos. I, yeah. I just that one the other day of the boat and the, the clouds and stuff. That was rad. Stuff like that I really enjoy. The artistic part of it. But there's another, you know, and and the good that it brings and the and the. Um, but there's that part of it that's just I don't know, man. It's just can I say it? Like I don't know. It just feels wrong. Some a lot of it. Yeah, uh, you're sorry. not alone in that. No, I mean, it's, I, I think everybody feels that way. I think everybody knows that that narcissistic mm-hmm. part of it is just not right, you know. And if you could, if if, if I could give you the magic wand, mm-hmm. and you can kind of try to correct things from what you've experienced or what you know or what you came up in. How, how would you do that? Like what changes would you try to make to it? <laughs> this might happen. <laughs> I think Justin has a magic wand. Somewhere. Yeah. God. Yeah. That, just be more real. Be yourself. It doesn't matter about the, the biggest fish or the numbers of fish. Um, it just, uh, that stuff doesn't matter, man. Uh, just the interaction between I know myself and my clients. Um, I really love connecting with my clients. Um, and so many of them are, I mean, they just, they just, they just want to be out really, you know, get escape from whatever, whatever life throws and is throwing at them. And, um, I don't know most of the time at the end of the day for me there's like uh you know like a love there you know i guess yeah. i could say right mm-hmm. yeah and i mean one of the things that i feel like when i hang out with the older guides that i've got a chance to interview that kind of guided before the social media is it seems like if you're not careful it definitely can pull you away from your clients because you're just you know, you're more worried about your image than necessarily their experience. I think it's easy to get caught up in that because you want to get the good photo and you want to build your business. Yeah, You hear no. that term a lot when people say it's a necessary evil. They mean to build their businesses, I think. Yeah, no doubt. That's I don't, true. I don't think they mean it's a necessary evil to accomplish a good time for their client or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, just let it happen. Um, don't. Yeah, I'd say just don't worry about that really. You know, just do do what you do, do what you love. You know, like that one saying goes: just you know, if if you're a writer, just write what you know. Just just go out there and do it, and the hell with everything. Um, your client will feel that. You know, there'll be there'll be that aura 
you know, between the two of you or the mix of you. Um, but yeah, just don't get caught up in all that stuff. Are you ready for some fun rapid fire questions? Uh, whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't actually. <laughs> I'm trying to get shot, so don't feel awkward. Yeah, you're fine. No, 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 that's okay. And for what it's worth, it doesn't actually have to be rapid fire. It just is mm. my my excuse to, I say rapid fire because I don't have like a cohesive structuring for it. It's just me I, asking random questions. No, no. I got to say though too that, uh, well, no, have to. Um, well, you have to now. No, I, um, I was influenced, of course, like everybody else, by Flip and Jose and Chico. Um, I was very fortunate in my guiding career. I was able to be a camera boat with Flip and the Walker's K crew f- for, you know, a, a bunch of those shows. Yeah. What and was that like? That was classic. It was good old fashioned 16 millimeter film. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty pretty magical times. Um, I can say that if you watch any of those shows, they they were probably nearly. We worked in the field for nearly a week putting those things together. Yeah, and um, we had camera, we had sound, we usually had two camera boats and I I don't like calling them camera boats because we weren't just pushing around the camera guy. I mean, we were getting involved. Yeah. Um, what, in what ways? Like I I just, (laughs) I remember, you know, a lot of times when flip would hook up, I just start shoving my skiff in between him and the fish and uh, he actually got mad at me a couple of times because I was like, "Hey, man, I'm just trying to step it up here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> trying to get the shot. Like, just yeah, to get I was close just so fish. into it and just getting. Yeah, we we were all involved, and it was, uh, you know, it was with Sea Lion Productions, and he had a God, he had the wonderful crew. Um, Bob Hanna was a film, and uh, Rick Patterson on sound, and um, it was just really good times. We. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I, actually, one of the probably one of the funnest shows I ever did was getting back to the canoe thing. We did a canoe shoot down in the Everglades. Uh, I did sound. John Donnell, Captain John Donnell, did uh, camera. And um, I bet those are some fun hangouts. Yeah, at, at the end yeah. of the day. Oh my God! Yeah, they were. Of course, we were all pretty trash, so we were we were to bed early. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it was it was um, good times. A lot of work. I mean, we definitely worked our ass off to put that show together. And then Jose, yeah, uh, Jose was really cool. I got to do a few shoots with him, and actually did a show with him in the lagoon. Um, super super nice guy. 
um, miss them dearly. I know we were we were planning on getting together and doing a bunch of stuff physically, but you know, as it turns out, it didn't work, didn't work out that way. So, um, you know, it's interesting though. I've um, taken some of my clients back into the same places that we had not on purpose uh, have, have caught fish in like almost the exact same place that, that, uh, Jose had caught fish when we were doing a couple shows out there and um man boy I got chills up my spine and my neck hairs stand up you know and I'm like wow thanks a lot Hoser yeah so another thing I was curious about is I know that you love to surf you said you got into surfing around seven years old is that right yeah seven or eight somewhere in there <laughs> and uh I, I can tell it's a it's be it's a lifestyle it's beyond something you do when it, when it all lines up, how has that kind of impacted maybe the way that you guide? Oh, uh, you know, actually it has, um, a lot of days when I go out and, and I'm surfing and stuff and, um, I'm really, I don't know, it just really recharges me. And, um, I just get on fire to go guiding like the next day or something like that. Um, and when I'm out guiding, I'm thinking about, man, there's going to be some pretty good waves tomorrow. I am going to freaking start pulling this skiff and we're going to start catching some fish and stuff and I'm going to surf my ass off tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, I mean, you're a pretty laid back guy. Are you pretty laid back with your clients on the boat as far as just from a personality standpoint? I mean, Oh yeah. I, 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 you never know. Cause I mean, no, it could, no, be, I, it could be a Jack. Oh, my God. Thing, oh no, no. I, um, uh, no. Um, in my mind, I want my clients to catch fish more than they do. And, um, but if it doesn't work out, I don't, you know, it, it's cool. I know a lot of, a lot of guys get frustrated and they're and um i just i'm like whoa it's, it's okay it's like just a fish no oh, i don't I say feel, that I, yeah no I'm just <laughs> saying, i feel like i'd be calm around you i feel like i'm calmer right yeah, now yeah yeah oh no um you have a, a, a kind of chill demeanor that i think a lot of people probably would appreciate i mean some people want somebody to kind of you know, get the whip and leather out. And, oh, I've had, I've, you know, I've, you get know rough with them. now that you say that, yeah, I've had, I've had clients that are like, man, come on, you know, Yell let me know. Me. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, let me know um, how, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Sorry. no, you're totally fine, man. So tell me about how you've had to evolve as a guide, as things have changed here in the, in, in the lagoon. Sometimes, yeah, it's like, oh my God, I'm like, I feel like I'm starting over again or something some days. Um, but like always, it's, uh, I never have a plan. I've never had a plan going out. It's usually up to the, the weather, wind, light, tide, sun, angle. What do you cast left? Do you cast right? Okay, cool. Gives me a, lets me know where, where I may want to put them on what shoreline. And, um, but yeah, man, it, I never have a plan. It just, I just go and whatever happens usually happens pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, how long have you been fishing the lagoon now? Mm, man. So let me think here. I'm 56. I 
pretty sure. I'm trying to give or take. You when as you get older, you kind of you don't yeah. want to think about how old you are anymore. You're just like because when your birthday comes and you're like, it's a year later than what you thought. It's yeah. like, damn. So I always uh, try to back it up a little bit. So I think I'm 56. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Um, so I started guy. I mean, I started fishing out there, you know, what was it, like 11 or 10, like 11 four, or I mean, something 40 like years, I mean. Of, yeah, something you know, like that. So, I mean, I, I feel like you probably have a good bit of intuition built up with spending that much time in this fishery. You know, as far as you say, it just comes together, but there's probably a lot of, a lot of feel that comes with that much time, you know, on the water. Yeah, totally. You, you just feel it. You just go and you feel it. I'm sure Justin feels the same way. Um, yeah, you just go and you just, you just kind of totally get involved into it. I'm sure a lot of guides feel the same way in their areas where they guide mm. and stuff. They just kind of go with it and Yeah. Who's been the most influential person on you as a guide? Ooh, man, that's really tough. I, I, man, I, I'd, I'd probably say Flip. Yeah, super cool guy. He's, uh, he's really helped me through my ups and downs and lows and family stuff uh, when we were really down. Um, you know, I had to borrow his John boat one time or. T- couple times actually a few times i mean he's always i mean if i could call him and say hey man you know whatever and he would take the time to give me the right words i guess you could say Mm -hmm. with what encouragement would you give to young guides who are at the beginning of their career but also just at the early stages of life who are going to go through ups and downs do you have any encouragement or anything that you would share with them on that trust in god Mm -hmm. for sure um, I know, uh, there's bigger and better things beyond our life here on earth for sure. Um, and just, uh, live day by day and, um, trust in the Lord. Probably that's probably the most thing, biggest influential thing, if you want to call it that, that I could ever pass on to anybody. Mm-hmm. What, for you as a guide who's been doing this for, for so long, what's been the biggest challenge for you to work through? Um, the recession of 07, 08. <laughs> that was a tough one. That was really tough. That, that really, whoo, man, that was a big one. And then... Um, what did everybody do, like, during that time? Uh, I know the uh, guiding in, in general, um, the, you know, just kind of, for me... It, it really just almost came to a standstill. It was tough. Uh, um, but again, I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever, trust in the Lord and things kind of worked out. Surfed a bunch. Yeah. I was going to say, just go <laughs> surf, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you could put anything on a billboard for everybody to see, what would you put? Be thankful for what you got. That's good. If you could go back, that's good. <laughs> I, I kind of like quote, that one. I kind of quoted a song there by uh, William Devon, but it's good words. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> a lot of people need to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. I know I do. Earlier, you talked about trusting in the Lord and having faith. Could you elaborate just a little bit more about what that means to you and how that's kind of played out for you as a guide? Yeah, I, um, I definitely 
on a daily basis whenever I'm out there for sure. I always take the time to um, reflect on the privilege I've had and have. Yeah, I, I, I really believe in um, just giving your, just, just trust in the Lord completely and um, um, just, let, just let it go. Just let things happen in your life. Um, knowing that even through adversary and major downs that everything's going to be okay. And, um, yeah, that's good. Any, um, so any closing thoughts that you want to pass on to maybe some of the young guides out there that, that might be listening to this? Good luck. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you know, just, just, Try your hardest and don't worry if it doesn't work out. That's okay. Um, and um, again, trust in the Lord. It, it just, you know, I don't want to say maybe it wasn't meant to be, um, but you, you, it's okay if it doesn't happen. It doesn't work out. I could totally, if I had to do all, if I had to do it all over again and it didn't work out, and actually even now, if if the lagoon doesn't come back to the way it was and it doesn't work out for me, I really don't care. I mean, personally, mm-hmm. um, because I know, um, there's other avenues and other things in life that are important and especially, you know, family, friends, that's the most important thing in life. Mm. That's good. But hey, thanks for hanging out. I really yeah, appreciate no, the time, yeah. man. That was awesome. That Absolutely. Was, uh, that was fun and stuff. Thanks, Justin, for um, giving up your garage for a few hours. <laughs> so I like it. It's got style. Thanks, John. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate the support, and we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to send us a quick message. Thanks again. This is the Captain's Collective. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.